Well, good morning, everyone. Glad you've joined us this morning. And uh, we are continuing in our series in the book of Malachi, uh, the last book in your Old Testament. Um, we are at chapter 2. I'm going to bring the Bible reading now. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning, so that my covenant with Levi may continue says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Dave is now going to bring the message. Good morning. Canterbury Bankstown is in lockdown, which means that I can't leave the area to come to church. But it's still a great privilege for me to be able to preach. Uh, and while God's word cannot be locked down, uh, you have me through my lounge room. Uh, but please join me as I pray and we look at the passage that's been read for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gracious goodness to us. Thank you that you are the one who controls all history and all that's happening now is not unknown to you and your character is true and remains the same. You are faithful and good and wise and merciful and just and loving. And as we come to your word, we pray that your word would encourage us and spur us on and remind us of who you are, that indeed you are great. Amen. Well, I was part of a Morling College mission team when I was at college in the 90s with Ange, and I led a team to Kayama. One morning during breakfast at the family that I was staying with, a son walked out into the breakfast area and he said he'd been at the blowhole with his friends. And his father asked, had he been jumping in again? Well, later that week, as everyone does, we visited the blowhole to see what it was like. And there, when we were there, there were young guys standing around on the top of the blowhole. And they were waiting, it seemed, till a certain point in the wave. And then one would jump in. Incredible. The backwash would then take them out, climb the rocks, 
to do it again. There were warning signs about the danger around that area, but those signs were ignored. Warnings are important for people's safety, but if the sign, if the warning is disregarded, it shows almost that the person who disregarded thinks that they know better. And that was true of the priests that we see in today's passage. This morning in the spiritual renewal series that we've been going through, through the book of Malachi, I'm speaking on a call for God-exalting leaders. And firstly, we find there's a warning about what godly leaders are not to be. And secondly, where godly leaders are to have their focus. While this applies to leaders, it has relevance to all of us. A warning to leaders. Malachi brought God's admonition to the religious leaders. We read in verses 1 and 4, And now you, priests, this warning is for you. And you will know that I have sent you this warning, says the Lord Almighty. In chapter 1, God had denounced priests for corrupting the sacrificial system. And now in chapter 2, we find that God again takes issue with the way that the priests in their other role had been teaching God's people. They had failed to listen to God and they had failed to exhort God in their teaching. In verse 2 we read, If you do not listen and if you do not resolve to honour my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you have not resolved to honour me. The priests were set apart to represent God, but rather than being concerned for God's honour and exalting him, they were driven by self-interest. And we read in verse 8 that as a result of this, it caused many to stumble. As I thought about this, I was reminded of Matt Hancock, Britain's former health secretary, who had stressed all through the COVID pandemic of the importance of social distancing. And yet it came to light recently that he was having an affair. And there were images released of him in his office kissing a woman. He was doing that in violation of social distancing, the very thing that he had talked to the public about. Matt Hancock had been elected to represent his constituents, and yet he lost sight of the privilege of doing that. The priests had lost sight of serving the Lord Almighty, and as a result, there would be consequences. Again in verse 2, we read, I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honour me. Instead of the priests being the means of bestowing blessing, the community and the priesthood would suffer. Verses 3 and 4 say, 
Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. The community would suffer because there will be no one to genuinely represent them to God. But the priesthood would also suffer, both because of a lack of offspring, but the priests themselves becoming unclean and unfit to serve God in the temple. They had polluted God before the people, and so the priests would be polluted with this graphic image of dung smeared on them. Dung from sacrificed animals was taken out away from the altar, away from the temple. It was taken outside the city and burned. And so the priests would also be taken away. They would be shamed and removed. In the early 1980s, I was a, a carer in an aged care facility uh, in Sydney. And there was one resident uh, who would often, as repulsive as it is, with her dementia, she'd be found eating her own faeces. And there would be remnants on her fingers and around her mouth. It was awful. Sorry for my crudeness in raising that. But this is meant to be an offensive image. For leaders who do not represent God's name are repulsive to God. They diminish God's glory and holiness. Leaders who do not exalt God in their teaching and how they live exchange what is good for what is waste. What they feed others, what they teach others, ultimately has no value. They themselves, and even those around them, may see them as engaging and relevant. But like eating faeces, it only results in spiritual sickness. Pastors have an important role to play as they teach and model God's word. With this responsibility, they will be held to greater account, we read in the scriptures. So I need to ask myself, whose honour am I really seeking? There's a temptation for me, often after I've preached, to want someone to say, I enjoyed that message, or I found that helpful, or thank you, that was really good. That desire, in one sense, comes from my insecurity, which is actually fed by my own self-interest. Rather, when I finish preaching, I should long for people to be saying, what a great God. Isn't he amazing? A pastor, a leader, is to point people to God, not to themselves. 
William Carey was the pioneer missionary to India. And on his bed, he was visited by a man called Alexander Duff, who greatly admired William Carey. After a long visit, Carey asked Duff if he could pray with him. And following the prayer as Alexander Duff was leaving, he heard Carey in his feeble and weak voice say, Mr Duff, you have been speaking about Dr Carey, Dr Carey. When I'm gone, say nothing about Dr Carey. Speak, speak only about Dr Carey's saviour. This is a warning. It is a warning for leaders, but it's also a warning for all of us. The Apostle Peter wrote, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. All genuine believers have a priestly role a priestly role to declare God's praises, to represent him, to honour him before others in how we live and how we speak. God warns all of us, but especially leaders, that our words and lives are to point to him. The second thing is that where the focus of God, godly or God-exalting leaders are to be. While God's warning almost seemed to threaten the very future of the priesthood, God said in verse 4 that his covenant with Levi would continue. Interestingly, there's no mention of a covenant with Levi in the Bible. Levi was one of Jacob's 12 sons. And it would seem, as we read about him, and especially in the blessing that Jacob gave him and his brother in Genesis 49, that Levi was not a particularly nice person. It seems by using Levi here in these verses, God was referring to his descendants, those who would come in his line. We see one example of this with a, with a priest from Levi's line, actually Aaron's grandson called Phineas. In Numbers chapter 25, Israelite men were engaging in sexual immorality with Moabite women who enticed them to actually, along with the immorality, to worship their Moabite gods. This resulted in God sending a plague upon the people. And Moses commanded all the leaders to put to death these men. As Moses was speaking in the camp, while he was still speaking, an Israelite man walked right in front of him with a Midianite woman to his tent. Phineas followed, picked up a spear and drove the spear through both of them, through the man and into the woman. The plague stopped. And we read in Numbers 25 from verse 10, 
the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites. Therefore, tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honour of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. Here is one example that the priests in Malachi should have followed. Phineas, one of their ancestors, who honoured God, who took God seriously and turned people from sin. So here in these verses, God gives a picture of what a true priest is like. In verses 5 to 7, we read, My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. Godly priests who received life and peace from God were to dispense. They were to represent God in giving life and peace. People were meant to come and find comfort and strength and conviction and guidance, guidance and forgiveness and blessing through godly priests. Before morning college and before nursing, I studied at Sydney Missionary and Bible College for two years. The principal there was a man called Howard Green. He was English. He was very English, but he was also very godly. In his calm, quiet voice, he knew what to say when students got themselves into relationship difficulties or when students were seeking guidance in their studies or what would happen after college. His words were always full of godly counsel that reminded people of God's character and his goodness. He was not perfect, but there was a real sense that through his words, it was clear that Howard knew God and he was dispensing God's wisdom to those who came to him. I had the privilege in my second year at college of being the senior student, not because of any academic ability, but as a means of just helping the college. So I got to spend more time with Howard. He was the type of man who would often make me aware of my own sinfulness and shortcomings, not by what he said, but just being in his presence. He could say hard things, but his words were encouraging and he spurred people on to know God more deeply. How was a type of man who was like a signpost not looking at him, 
but the one who he pointed to. God-exalted leaders focus on God. The priests did not shepherd the people. They were more interested in themselves. And some 400 years later, God sent the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, who was the true image, the true representative of God's honour. And yet the priests and the religious leaders of Jesus' day plotted to kill him. On that cross, it was as if the dung of the whole world was smeared upon Jesus. Jesus, who knew no sin, became utterly polluted by sin. He became the Passover lamb who died in place of all who trusted him. He took judgment and that judgment passed over. He was the true temple in whom people meet God and he was the true or is the true priest who represents God to us and us to God. Jesus is God's covenant of life and peace. So the focus of God exalting leaders will be on Jesus. Certainly leaders need to plan and organise, but even these are seen through the lens of the Lord Jesus and his honour. It is Christ's words, it is his life and death and resurrection where eternal life is found. He is the one who is to be preeminent. So as I finish, I want to point to Jesus, our great high priest, and I want to read some verses from the book of Hebrews that speak about Jesus' priesthood. But just almost as an aside before I read those verses, I want to say in Hebrews chapter 7, Jesus is spoken of as a priest like Melchizedek. Not because of his ancestry, but because of his uniqueness and greatness. The priest came from the line of Levi, but Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. And God has bestowed on Jesus a priesthood that is the same but different. It speaks about Christ's uniqueness and greatness. Three passages in Hebrews as I finish. Hebrews 7, 23 to 25. But because Jesus lives forever... He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. How encouraging. The Lord Jesus is always interceding for you. Hebrews 4, 14-16 Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, 
let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God's throne of grace is always available for his people. Mercy and grace for our time of need, even today. And the last one is Hebrews chapter 13, 11 to 13. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a soft as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore, for here we do not here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. God exalting leaders point to Jesus, the true representative and the true image of God. And because of his sacrificial death and all that's achieved, God exalting leaders keep pointing back to the cross, to what has been done. They keep pointing to the Lord Jesus as he intercedes in the present, but they also point to all that is to come. For all that is to come to those and for those who persevere in following Jesus. For this world is not an enduring world, but we are looking, we are waiting, we are guaranteed of one that is to come. God exhorting leaders have their focus on the Lord Jesus. And that is where we are to have our focus also. For he is the one in whom there is life and peace. Please join me as I pray. Now, Father, we thank you for the wonderful news. Wonderful news for us of who the Lord Jesus is, the Passover lamb, the temple, the great high priest. We thank you for his ministry and through him all that we have in him. Now, Father, we pray that we may grow in being good representatives. We pray that you may help us to keep our focus and keep looking and that you would use us as representatives of the Lord Jesus in what we say and how we live. Our focus on Christ so that others may also focus on him. Amen.